Hey, Gumby, uh, I know we try to stay away from politics on an MMA podcast, but I had to bring this up. I'm watching the uh, presidential debates last night, and I couldn't help but want to slam my face into a brick wall. And it would be dumb of me to do that, though, if I didn't have my CSU mouth guard in my mouth protecting my chompers. Would you agree? I would agree, and it's also going to protect you from concussions. That's the beauty of CSU mouth guards. It's because it's got that crumple zone technology that keeps your teeth and your brain from getting all messed up. You know, I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but do you like going to the movies? I do like going to the movies. What's one of your favorite parts of going to the movies? Uh, Probably the uh, icy and the popcorn. Okay, that's fair. I like the previews. I'm a big fan of the previews. And do I have a preview for you, our loyal listeners? Sisu Mouthguards is coming out with a new mouthguard in October. It's called the Next Gen. They're next generation of mouthguards. And as Wayne Campbell so famously said in Wayne's World, Star Trek The Next Generation was far superior to the original. And that's what these mouthguards are going to be like. Far superior to the original. They come out in October. Head on over to SISUGuard.com and make sure you're up to date on the newest Sisu mouthguard. They're going to be pretty badass. Uh, I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com. We so appreciate your listenership. You can catch us on TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. Give us a follow subscribe, download, write a review. Gosh darn it, do we appreciate it. If you want to email us, topturtlemma at gmail. If you want to catch us on Twitter, if you're one of those people who likes to tweet or one of those uh, auto Twitter bots, uh, you can catch us, Top Turtle MMA, on Twitter. Gumby, talk about Facebook. Uh, you head on over to Top Turtle MMA on Facebook. Click the like button. You will get our betting advice on parlays and props we might like, as well as the show itself right in your news feed. So in summation, Sisu Mouthguard, the best mouthguard on the market, brings you episode 38 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Play the music. We are rolling. David Tremonti, joined by Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. We're going to kick right into it while other MMA shows might waste your time. Meander on and on. We are the fastest fight news on the planet. Let's get right into it. Gumby, this past weekend, Cyborg murdered another girl on live TV. No one arrested her. In this case, the girl's name was Lena Landsberg. Uh, succumbed to a TKO in the second round. Your thoughts? I thought Lena Landsberg was really fucking tough. Uh, I mean, she took Cyborg's best for like a round and a half and hung in there. But uh, I, I think what you, you really want to hear is about Cyborg. And I, I think I agree with Joe Rogan on this one. It's time for them to bring in the women's 145 division. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's time to build the division around her. This, of course, was uh, contested at a catchweight, 140 pounds. Lots of rumors of Cyborg near death in trying to make that weight class. And I think everyone at this point just wants to see her comfortably make 145 and call it a day. To your and to Joe Rogan's point, yeah. let's get a let's get a uh, featherweight women's division. Yeah, and on here. top of that, imagine how much more badass she would be if she was, you know, like healthy and, and well uh, well hydrated. Uh, second biggest piece of news coming out of the uh, fight card would be Roy Nelson uh, knocking out Antonio Bigfoot Silva. That is not 
uh, remarkable in any stretch of the imagination. Bigfoot Silva's been knocked out by, mm, I don't know, 15 straight people. <laughs> but uh, Roy Nelson took issue with John McCarthy not stopping the fight sooner, and uh, he kicked him in the butt. Really not so much of a, a kick in the it butt. It was sort of like playful. It was like a playful kick in the butt, but also flipped him off. Uh, Dana White has since said he's been traveling, hasn't really had a chance to respond to this in a disciplinary measure, but you can't do that. It's un fucking acceptable uh and i actually don't know if he said that but i know he cursed somewhere in there uh what do you think uh well they did fire jason high over it if you remember he pushed a ref out of his way after a fight one time um i i don't think roy gets fired here just because he sells tickets really well he like appeals to that every man and and you know i am a roy nelson fan uh did you think the stoppage was was late I thought it was no later than some other stoppages and no earlier than some late stoppages. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was what it was. Big, Bigfoot's hands were kind of up, but like clearly out. He was out he, of it with like a defensive hands up kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, he probably took one or two extra shots that he didn't need to take tops, but like by far not the worst stoppage I've ever seen. Um, so I think it, it played into a lot of the fact that, you know, Roy Nelson just really likes Bigfoot Silva and he felt bad about it. Other performers on the card you might want to mention in a, uh, a quick manner, uh, local boy Eric Spicely got a big rear naked choke over Tiago Santos. Yeah, and, and uh, maybe the worst game planning I've ever seen by Tiago Santos, uh, guy with crazy knockout power decided to go to the ground with a good submission grappler. Um, stupid. Um, no, I, I, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me was just how, uh, again, how beatable Henan Burrell looked at 45. I don't know if TJ Dillashaw broke that guy or what, but he does not look good at 145. Um, after getting beat by Jeremy Stevens, he, you know, looked beatable against Felipe Nover and in my estimation lost the second round. Um, you know, not a pretty fight, not good to see. Uh, apart from that, you know, like fun fights, but nothing really all that monumental or worth writing home about. Fair enough. We'll move then to the biggest news of the week, and that's that Conor McGregor will, in fact, be fighting Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title at MSG in November, UFC 205. Often rumored, kind of feels like Habib Nurmagomedov, the eagle, was used as a pawn in uh, very public negotiations. Dana White, of course, tweeted last week that it was Habib's title shot um, and that he wanted Conor to fight Aldo. All comes off as pro wrestling promotional tactics, if you ask me. But however we got here, we got here, and you have Conor McGregor, the featherweight champion. He's fought three times this year. The featherweight belt has been defended zero times. He will be fighting for the lightweight title, which, to be fair, is what we were supposed to get in March when he was going to fight RDA, but RDA's foot got injured, and then Nate Diaz stepped in, and I don't have to tell you the rest. Gumby, your thoughts, Conor McGregor versus Eddie Alvarez at MSG. I mean, for for me, it just makes so much sense from a promotional standpoint. As much as I, I would have liked either Nurmagomedov or Tony Ferguson to get the shot against uh, Eddie Alvarez, what it boils down to is Conor McGregor is going to sell the hell out of that card. And it feels like, if you look at the rest of the matches they made on that card, it feels like Dana's trying to pay us back for a shitty UFC 200. Well, it's also worth noting that local boy Chris Weidman will now, in fact, be fighting Yoel Romero, a middleweight uh, fight that has obvious title implications. This card is stacked top to bottom. You have Wonderboy versus Woodley. You have uh, JJ versus uh, Karolina Kowalkowicz in a Polish Civil War. Uh, Frankie Edgar and Jeremy Stevens on presumably the undercard. Yeah, last I heard, there were three former champions on the undercard with Frankie Edgar, Misha Tate, and Rashad Evans all fighting on free fight card. Rashad Evans will be fighting Tim Kennedy, who's making his long-awaited return after Stoolgate a little over two years ago. And Misha Tate will be fighting... 
Raquel Pennington? Raquel Pennington. Rocky Pennington. Which is yeah. a great fight in and of itself. Absolutely. So UFC 205 is stacked, and I feel bad for Habib. Maybe he takes someone else in the interim, like uh, Michael Johnson, and then I, I pray for Connor's health if he were to make it past Eddie Alvarez, and we'll talk about that as we get closer to the preview. But we've always said on this podcast, Habib is the worst stylistic matchup for Connor in the world. And uh, that would be quite a spectacle if they end up fighting for the lightweight title. Yeah, the the interesting thing out of Dana White's mouth, too, about whether or not that might possibly happen. So they asked him uh, about what would happen if Connor won. And he said that Connor would have to let go of one of the two belts. And what does that say to you? So, first of all, it says to me he's lying because, you know, at this point in time, I don't believe it. But if for some reason that was true, if I'm Connor, I'm letting go of 55. Right, because while that's like a better weight class, it's or like a easier weight class to make. It's a much harder weight class to fight in for him stylistically. Yes. So, if that's me and I'm Conor McGregor, I could beat Eddie Alvarez and then walk away from the fifty-five title and not ever have to fight Habib Nurmagomedov, <laughs> which would be the perfect situation for him. He could call himself the uncrowned champ of that division. Let Nurmagomedov fight Tony Ferguson or RDA or something like that. And, and forever call himself the 155 champ. That's very interesting, yeah, because I think most people assume the opposite, that he'd give up featherweight. But you're right, the better matchups lie at featherweight for him if he can make that cut. Uh, he does not match up well with some of those guys at the top. And I'll be quite honest, and let's hold it for when we get to the preview, but all I see here is Eddie Alvarez fence-fucking him for five rounds, yeah. much like he did to Anthony Pettis in Boston earlier this year. Absolutely, and I, I'm sure uh, connor has been really, really, really working on his, his wrestling defense, but... You still got to worry about that for sure. We mentioned Cyborg earlier. Also worth noting, Dana White has said that Ronda Rousey does, in fact, want to fight Cyborg. A long-awaited uh, super fight that was rumored back in the day, but it was always that Cyborg would have to come to 135. Ronda's weight. Well, Ronda's not the champion anymore. Is this just promotional uh, tactics, Gumby? I'm not sure. Uh, I will tell you that as we were taping this this super fast uh, news part, I did get an update saying that. Uh, Dana White says all they have to do is agree on a weight at this point in time for Cyborg and Ronda. Both sides have agreed. Uh, so whether or not that's true or Dana White talking out of his ass, because obviously we've got miles and miles of examples of him lying about things recently. Um, it's interesting uh, that, you know, that might happen because for me, if I'm Rousey getting that title back, I, I thought was her biggest like driving force, but it turned out to be that, you know, maybe she wants the super fight after all. Very interesting. Cause that could lead to two losses in a row for Rousey. Yeah. I, and I don't like that matchup for her too. She's like a, a more well-rounded Holly Holm. She, She's got better striking than Holly Holm and better grappling than Holly Holm. And I just think Rousey matches up so much better against the bantamweight champ, Amanda Nunes. Oh, Amanda Nunes is gift wrapped for Ronda Rousey. She's the over aggressive style that would fall right into judo takedowns. And, you know, what have we seen from her ground game that she can get outworked a little bit? She's been outworked a little bit. So, you know, I, I think that's that's gift wrap for Ronda. And it'd be a shame if she didn't go get her title back. Also worth noting this past weekend, uh, Risen had their second event. Uh, Mirko Krokop getting a submission victory. No one predicted that. Uh, he's going to end up fighting Vanderlei Silva in a third fight. Are you excited by this? I, I am a little bit because, you know, at this point in time, you know, who gives a shit what these two do? Might as well kick the shit out of each other. And and for all intents and purposes, it's an interesting fight. Both guys are old and, and both guys, 
you know, don't have anything to fight for other than big paychecks. So let's see him throw caution to the wind one more time and see what happens. Um, so I especially like it. Um, but you were right about that, that submission too. Nobody saw that coming. I don't think he submitted anybody since maybe, maybe Pat Barry. Did he submit Pat Barry? Did he submit? I'm pretty sure he rear naked choked Pat Barry in one of the weirdest looking rear naked chokes. We can put the intern on that one if you want, but yeah, we will absolutely put the intern on that. Uh, also worth talking about is that Crone Gracie, uh, his second MMA fight, his second MMA win. Is Crone Gracie for real, or are they handing him uh, patty cakes to build up his name? Japan has always been very favorable to the Gracie name. Well, Takoro uh, is a decent MMA name. Uh, he, you know, he's fought Hoyler and Hoist and, and all a bunch of people. I mean, he's getting older, um, but certainly he could be fighting somebody way wimpier in his second fight, and nobody would be questioning it. So... Whether or not he's for real, th- that'll come out eventually. He's eventually going to fight somebody who's going to strike with him and, and stand and bang with him. And then we'll see if he's for real. Um, so let's give it some time. Uh, we'll step back here a second. The intern is alerting me to the fact that Mirko Krokop actually has an armbar win back in December of 2012 at Inoki Bamba Yay. 2012 was the show that was over Shinuchi Suzukawa. And before that, you were completely right, Gumby. He rear naked choked Pat Barry back at UFC 115 in 2010. Uh, on his record, he has three submission wins, and they've all taken place in the last five years. Wow. All right, rounding out our news uh, lightning round here. Ruslan Magomedov potentially flagged by USADA for a violation. What do you think? Uh, so one of the things I've been thinking is when I see those uh, has been flagged for a possible violation, I've been waiting because uh, especially from Russian uh, or or I guess I, there were a bunch of Chinese fighters as well flagged with bad meat recently. So I'm going to wait and see what comes out of this because there is a chance he gets cleared. Um, not the biggest Ruslan Magomedov fan anyway, in a division that like needs people. He hasn't really even stuck out to me as like one of the people who could possibly break through. So I, I mean, like not the biggest loss if he is doping. Um, and, and I'll wait and see anyway. All right. And the last bit of news to go over here is the wrestlers are coming. The wrestlers are coming. We saw CM Punk make his <laughs> debut last month, and now his former professional wrestling rival in the WWE, Ryback, has uh, hinted that he's in talks with Bellator. I don't really know if he has any sort of martial arts background. Actually, I can tell you right now he doesn't, but he does live in Las Vegas, so he oh, certainly oh, has access. Then, then absolutely sign him up. <laughs> he's a big guy. He with... lives close to extreme control. <laughs> he uh, billed as 291 pounds, uh, so he'd be in the heavyweight division. Uh, you know, I don't get the sense this is like a Batista situation where Batista actually had a legitimate interest in jiu-jitsu. He trained with Caesar Gracie and then like a blue belt too, right? Or, and ended up as a purple belt. Oh, he got his purple belt. Yeah, That's impressive. And, and got the one MMA win. Uh, I don't take this as the same. What do you think? Um, so I, I will be completely honest with you. How far I'm out of the professional wrestling loop is pretty, pretty far. So I used to watch pro wrestling. I saw the name Ryback and I assumed it was Rhino. You remember Rhino? I do. They, he's he's they, now a Michigan Senator. I oh, get the hell out of here. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. So I saw Ryback. I assumed it was Rhino and I was like, isn't that guy like 50 or 60? So I like looked it up and I was like, oh, this is a different guy. So I don't know much about him. Uh, but I mean, smart move for Bellator, anything they can do to get eyeballs to the show 
Um, props to them. And it's not like they haven't struck out before or haven't not struck out before using pro wrestlers. I mean, Bobby Lashley is very quietly 14 and two at this point in time as a former wrestler. Now worth noting, and I know where you're, what you're saying, Bobby Lashley actually had legitimate amateur wrestling experience. Yeah, he was, he was, a I think a Juco national Correct, champion or right. something like that. A very legitimate wrestler. I don't know anything about this Ryback. He here. doesn't have yeah, legitimate okay, amateur that, wrestling That's probably not good then. All right. So that wraps up the fastest news update on the planet in MMA. We do not go on and on talking about our hair or personal stories. We just give you the straight news and we hope you appreciate it. We will transition now to our interview with UFC fighter Davey Grant, the 135-pound fighter out of England, is fighting at UFC 204. Uh, not this Saturday, but next Saturday, and he'll be taking on Damian Stasiak. We got a chance to catch up with uh, Davey Grant. He's a great guy. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC. And, of course, this interview is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting. New England Submission Fighting, the preeminent and premier mixed martial arts gym in western Massachusetts. If you're in or around the western Mass area and you're not training at New England Submission Fighting, you're doing yourself a disservice. It's mine and Gumby's home gym. No gi jiu-jitsu, submission grappling, whatever you want to call it is the specialty classes six days a week check them out at amherstmma.com new england submission fighting brings you our interview with ufc fighter davy grant this is daniel gumby vreeland here with my co-host dave tremonte and we are talking with davy grant who fights at ufc 204 in london on october 8th against damian stasiak so davy we'll get right into it uh obviously being from england this is a, a big time home fight um, but in addition to it being a home fight, you're also fighting on the first ever card with a British champion. Uh, does that mean anything for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty monumental. And uh, and I'm a good friend of Mike. I've known Mike for a lot of years. We used to train together uh, back in the Wolfslayer days. So, uh, and he's the first British champion. And to be fighting on, on, on like, this is probably one of, the, one of the biggest events to be in the UK. So, yeah, yeah, it means a lot to me. So that's awesome to hear that you were part of the uh, the Wolf Slayer days too. Uh, you know, obviously with with Rampage and Shaq Congo. Uh, you know, kind of what what led to the the dissipation of that? Because most guys are at different places now, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what it was. To be honest, there was uh, there was some some trouble going on, uh, like on the inside with the inside staff. I don't really know what happened exactly. To be honest, but. Uh, but the gym sort of sort of closed down. A lot of people went went, went their separate ways, and uh, yeah. So I don't really know what happened, to be honest. But uh, one thing for sure, we made a lot of good friends there. There was a lot of good guys there, and I still talk to them all now. No, oh, that's good to hear. And and now you're training at SBG in Manchester. Is that correct? SBG Manchester, yeah. And do you guys uh, cross train with SBG Ireland, where uh, this guy named Conor McGregor's out of? Yeah, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been known before. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, uh, you know, obviously you have your own set of head coaches too. But how much of the game planning and how much of the uh, the kind of masterminding does John Kavanaugh come into play at all? Well, see, like John Kavanaugh, he, he's a, like he, he's at all SBG Island, and my coach Carl Tanzo is all SBG Manchester. So I won't get I won't get any input off John. Do you know what I mean? Yep. All my input will be off Carl. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, more of an affiliation so, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like they're, they're good friends, but um, like I've never been to SBG Island. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, so uh, but uh, but, uh, but the offer's been there, and I've talked to John. John's a really nice guy, and he said he said I'm welcome to go over. So I will take him up on the offer definitely, and, and I'll probably go over if not this year, probably next. 
Seems like a good trip. Get to train with John Kavanaugh, Conor McGregor, and get some Guinness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, so uh, enough about the, the training stuff. Let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about your game planning here. Uh, obviously, England's uh, well-storied boxing career, but uh, you're, you know, you're more of a... Uh, grappler, which there, there's kind of an English stereotype that we look uh, more at boxers from from England. So, uh, you know, what what it was your upbringing that led you to be such a strong grappler uh, in a in a land where seemingly we think of mostly boxers? Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I'm just, I mean, to be honest, I like to strike. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And uh, even though a lot of me, a lot of my wins come by submission, that's that's really because people. Are, didn't really want to strike so they, they tried to take it to the floor and then when it got to the floor I, I submitted them you know so I mean to be honest I don't I don't I, I just look at myself as an all-round fighter I don't look at myself as a grappler I don't look at myself as a as a, as a striker I just look at like the whole picture I just think I do everything just as good as each other well that's definitely a good way to be too and uh you're certainly going to yeah. need all of that with a fighter uh, like Damian Stasiak, who is a black belt in karate, he's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, so he's certainly a well-rounded fighter yeah. as well. Where do you expect him to want to take this fight? Um, I'm not too sure, to be honest. I think he's probably going to look to look to take me down. I think he, he, I think he's got, he likes to be on top, and uh, and he's probably going to want to use want to use his strength and his jiu-jitsu in his top game. To be honest, that's, that's the way I see. I mean, I just prepare for anywhere. You know, every fight day, you never know what's going to happen. People come in with different game plans and and different strengths and things like that. So you just got to prepare for everywhere. So I'm just I'm just I'm just ready to take the fight wherever it goes. And and that's certainly what you got to be too, especially with a well-rounded fighter like him. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, it, exactly. It, 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 yeah, at the end of the day, all the guys you're going to come up against in the UFC, you know, are going to be good in all areas. So. That, that's very true. And, uh, and and you've been working on the ground. You feel certainly comfortable with a brown belt in jiu-jitsu on the ground. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, and we can't squeeze a prediction out of you too, because you seem like a really humble guy. Certainly not willing to uh, oversell yourself. Can we get a prediction out of that? No, I'm not really a one for giving predictions and stuff. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm just going to go in there and do everything I can to win. Do you know what I mean? And then I'll take. I'll, like you go in there expecting a war, and anything else than that's just less. Anything less than that's just a bonus. You know what I mean? Be nice to go in there and get a quick knockout. You know we don't get paid for overtime in there, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens. Absolutely, that's that's a very good approach to take. Now we were introduced <laughs> to you on the Ultimate Fighter show, and we've had a couple of Ultimate Fighter yeah. alumni on our show. I always like to ask. Is that an experience, when you look back on that, was that, you know, I know it was grueling and, and tough to be away from family and friends and all that, but do you look back yeah. on that experience as, like, a positive? Do you look back on it and are like, God, I'm just glad I got past it? What, what do you think now, a couple of years removed from your experience on The Ultimate Fighter? I mean, uh, at the time, obviously, I was really excited to go in the house, and uh, and it was it was a great experience. I realized how big of an experience it was, and from watching The Ultimate Fighter, when it first started, I always wanted to do this. I just, I'd love to get to get put in there like a confined space and like and evaluated on my fighting skills and things like that. So to get to do it was brilliant. Um, but when I was in there, by the time it gets to the end, it's like get me out of here. It's like you're going <laughs> mental. Do you know what I mean? So it's pretty crazy. And if you ask me at the end, would I do it again? I'd be like, I don't know. But now looking back, I'd love to go and do it all again. But at wow. the time, if I was just getting out of the house and you asked me to go back and do it again. I would have probably told you no, but then now if I if I could, if, if I had to go and do it again, I would. It, you know, looking back, it was it was fun. I met some good people, and uh, and I love that. You know, and it was it was nice to be able to focus and concentrate on fighting 
and uh, and obviously it was such a big opportunity. Do you know what I mean? It was, missing the kids was really really hard. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So yeah, so there's there's a, yeah there's like a bonuses and negatives from it. But it, 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 I'm overall I'm so pleased I did it. Is there anyone from that season that you keep in very close touch with or ever potentially, you know, cross train with when you come through Vegas or another American city? Is there, is there anyone that kind of stands out as a, a friend for life situation? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, there was a few, uh, like, oh, well, Mike Button is, uh, is, for, is from, obviously from England. He was in the house with me and he's one of my good friends. And, and like, we still train every now and again at home. You know what I mean? So, so it was great to have him in the house with us. He's, he's, he's a really, really top notch guy. And then uh, when I go to America, the last couple of times I've been to, been to America, I've went and stayed with Ronda. So, and, and then Jessamine Duke and Shayna Baszler were also there at the time. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I, I like to try and keep in touch with them. And then, like I said, friends for life we made. Shayna Baszler, she just won a uh, professional wrestling championship. She's making, the, she's making the opposite switch that CM Punk did. CM Punk went from yeah, wrestling yeah. to MMA, and she went from MMA to wrestling. Well, anyway. Yeah, I'm pleased to see it because she loved it, Shane, and she's a really nice girl. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, Davey, we cannot thank you enough for the time. Davey Grant fights Damian Stasiak on October 8th at UFC 204. And, Davey, we wish you so much luck in the fight, and hopefully we could catch you uh, or get you back on the show after it's all over. Yeah, for sure. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it, Gumby. Davey Grant. Yeah, real interesting guy. Uh, looks like his, his London roots go back farther than even I remember with uh, Wolf Slayer there. Uh, and he's got some pass with Bisping. This, uh, this British card is definitely shaping up to be a very interesting one. Absolutely, and that will take place a week from this Saturday night. But this Saturday night, we of course have to turn our attention uh, to UFC Fight Night. Lineker versus Dotson takes place in Portland, Oregon. It'll be on FS1, uh, prelims on FS2, and of course uh, the ultra, ultra prelims will be on UFC Fight Pass. Pretty stacked card. Uh, We'll start with the main event. You have John Dotson, the minus 125 favorite taking on uh, Hands of Stone, plus 105 underdog John Lineker. Lineker, of course, brings a lot of power to the bantamweight division. He is a former flyweight that moved up, has looked very comfortable since the move up. And John Dotson has done the same. He had two losses to Demetrius Johnson at flyweight, uh, looked unbeatable at flyweight. Uh, the only person who could beat him was the champ. So Dotson moved up uh, and is 1-0 and as a bantamweight. These two will square off for bantamweight supremacy and a chance to move up the rankings in what is now a very stacked division. Your thoughts, Gumby? Uh, th- so th- I agree with you entirely that I think this is one of the most exciting uh main events on a non-title fight card in a really long time because it's two guys with absolutely crazy power um you know because even though you know Dodson gets mentioned more for his speed than for his power um when he hits you you go night night because I I mean ask TJ Dillashaw TJ Dillashaw is a guy who got knocked out by John Dodson at Bantamweight so um if I have to pick in this one I think I'm going with Dodson just based on that speed um because while Lineker hits really hard uh, he, he, you kind of need to stand in front of him and get hit. Uh, you know, when he hit Michael McDonald, Michael McDonald was pretty stationary at the time. I, I don't see Dodson staying still enough for for uh, Lineker to hit him. And on top of that, Dodson wrestles and grapples a little bit too. He's a pretty pretty legit black belt under uh, Greg Jackson, although that's not technically jiu-jitsu. It's, 
Geigo Jitsu, but um, very legitimate grappler. And I think he gets it done here probably with his hands, but he certainly could turn to his wrestling if needed. Dotson coming off a win over Manvel Gamburian, which was his return to bantamweight. Uh, Lineker, on the other hand, I might have misspoken earlier. I'm not sure if I did. I can barely remember a minute ago. Uh, he's actually 3-0 and since coming up to bantamweight. Uh, beat Francisco Rivera with a guillotine choke. Beat Rob Font via unanimous decision. And beat Michael McDonald this past July with a KO. So very exciting match up here absolutely um we move now to the uh co-main event it's alex oliviera the other cowboy uh plus 220 underdog taking on will brooks uh the minus 260 favorite brooks one and zero in the ufc coming to us from bellator who you got here uh, i think this is one of the easiest fights to call in the entire card because while alex oliveira has got some pretty sick striking like we saw in the cowboy cerrone match he just doesn't have the grappling to hang with, with people in that weight class that are lightweights. And if there's anything that Will Brooks can lean on, it's his grappling. You know, he can out-wrestle a lot of people. He didn't look great against Ross Pearson, but this is a guy who's going to be even easy, more easy to grapple against. So I think Will Brooks wins this in a grappling match. Do I see it being terribly exciting to watch? Probably not. But I think you're pretty safe if you pick Will Brooks on this one. Uh, moving on, you have Josh Berkman, the veteran, the minus 230 favorite, taking on Zach Oto. Yeah, he's taking this fight on short notice, too. Uh, pretty decent prospect. He's got some good wrestling. It's enough to make you think twice about picking Berkman in like an easy bout. But you got to remember, Berkman has some phenomenal submission game as well. He tapped out, or rather than tapped out, passed out John Fitch with a really, really sick choke. And while his return to the UFC has been like less than eventful, you got to think Berkman beats a guy on 10 days notice. Uh, rounding out the main card on FS1, you have Louis Smoka, the minus 400 favorite, taking on Brandon Moreno, the plus 325 dog. Who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Smoka again because this is another short notice fight. Brandon Moreno is still technically, as long as you are watching The Ultimate Fighter, he's still on the episodes of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he was the guy who was seeded 16 out of 16 in the tournament and gave a hell of a fight to the one seed, uh, Alexandre Pantoja. So uh, he gave Pantoja a hell of a fight. He's a really durable guy, but Smolka is definitely a better grappler and a better wrestler um, and probably a, a more technical striker, too. So I see Smolka winning this pretty much anywhere he wants, but don't sleep on a guy with really good power in his hands and a really sweet jaw. Uh, FS2 will be, uh, the prelims on FS2 will be main evented, so to speak. The first fight before the main card, a light heavyweight offering Luis Henrique da Silva taking on Joaquim Christensen. Do you think I pronounced those two names right? I know you got Joaquim Christensen, right? Uh, Luis Henrique da Silva, is that what you said? I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Christensen, the plus 130 dog, da Silva, the minus 150 favorite. Break it down. Uh, I like Christensen in this one. Uh, he's a uh, Danish guy. Definitely has uh, a lot of different shit that he can do uh, in a fight. Henrique seems to me more like just the kind of KO artist where he needs to hit the KO or else he's going to look pretty bad. Um, neither of these guys are anybody you're going to see at the top of the 205 division anytime soon, um, which is actually something different than I'm going to say uh, than uh, one of the guys later on the card. 
But, um, you know, keep an eye on Christensen to mix it up and, and be, you know, fluid enough to stay away from that big knockout power. Moving on to featherweight, you have Hasser and Diaz, uh, the prospect, taking on Andre Touchy-Feely, the former prospect, kind of falling on hard times here lately. Uh, Touchy-Feely, love that nickname, the plus 160 dog. Hasser and Diaz, the minus 185 favorite. Who you got? I'm still big on Andre Feely, even though you're right. He has fallen a little bit on, on tough times as of late, and is considered an underdog in this fight. I just think he's got kind of like that it factor. You know what I mean? He's really gritty. He's He works out tough decisions. He's got a good submission game. He's just gotten caught a couple of times doing stupid things, right? Like, uh, was it... Um, your boy Yair Rodriguez, who caught him with a with kick, the jumping like spin knee kick. Yeah, like what are the odds of getting caught yeah. with that ever? And then he also got caught with a, a triangle. Choke. Yeah, yeah. A triangle choke from Godofredo Pepe, Pepe, who just had a freaking amazing fight in Brasilia. So, um, you know, he lost to two very legitimate guys. I, I see him as a guy who probably is better than we think he is, given his recent losses. Uh, so, who are you picking? I'm picking Andre Feely. I think he's got the, the well-rounded talent here to, to take this anywhere. All right. Uh, moving back to the heavyweight division, Shamil uh, Abdurakahimov. Abdurakahimov reminds me of Radio Rahim from Do the Right Thing. No, wait. Shamil Abdurakahimov, the minus 120 favorite, taking on Walt Harris, our old pal, the plus 100 uh uh, underdog. Yeah, Who you got? I, I think I'm going to go with Walt Harris on this one. Walt Harris is a guy who I'm pretty sure he lost his first four fights in the UFC. Maybe five, if I'm not mistaken. He, like, had three. They fired him, and he got rehired and then lost his first one, and he was still on the roster. Uh, I think he might have saved his job with his last fight. I, I don't remember offhand. Um, but Walt Harris uh, lost his first two fights in the UFC, went back to Titan, picked up a win, came back to the UFC, lost to Solo Palele, and then just beat Cody East. Okay, so he's 0-3 in his last three. Um, yeah, so I'm still picking him in this one because uh, Shamil Abdurakimov has a lot of trouble with, with just some basic wrestling. He was having a pretty decent fight with Tim Johnson until he, like, fell down and like almost forced Tim Johnson to mount him. And then Tim Johnson just pounded him out like anybody would in the heavyweight division. So I, I see this as like Walt Harris probably just needs to shoot a nice takedown and he'll win this fight. Uh, moving on to the welterweight division, you have Kiti Nakamura, the minus 145 favorite against Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, the plus 125 dog. What are you thinking here? I, I like Nakamura. Nakamura is a hell of a wrestler. He's He's got some really good grappling chops to him. Um, Zaleski is, uh, I, I mean, he's got a decent game. He, he can strike with you. He's got some tie background. Um, but I really do like the wrestling and submission wrestling style of Nakamura. Uh, then this is, uh, the main event, so to speak of UFC fight pass, Tamden McCory, uh, the barn cat, love the nickname, uh, the one minus, of my favorites, the minus two forty five favorite taking on Nate Markhart, the plus one eighty five dog, the veteran, uh, who do you think will so, win this? So since the barn cat has come back, right. 
he's I, I want to say he's like four and uh, or three and one. I take that back. He did lose to Jocko in his last fight, but he won two in Bellator. He submitted Josh Simon, which is certainly no joke. I'm gonna pick him in this one too, just because Nate Marquardt's one of those guys. It's really hard to pick a Nate Marquardt fight. Uh, and McCrory's gotten more muscly. His submission game is definitely better than Marquardt. It's just about maybe getting it there and uh, whether or not his striking's picked up a little bit. Back to light heavyweight, you have Ian Kutaleba taking on Jonathan Wilson. Kutaleba, the minus 160 favorite. Jonathan Wilson, the plus 130 dog. Which heavyweight you picking here? I, I love Kutaleba. I think Kutaleba is one of the better more underrated light heavyweight prospects out there. He is just coming off of a fight with our boy Misha Serkinov where he put in a hell of a fight. He gave Misha Serkinov his best fight of so far. And you know how big I am on Misha Serkinov. So I, I think Kutalaba is probably one of those guys who you're going to hear from in the future. Very well said. Uh, then you have... Cody East taking on Curtis Blades. Cody East, the plus 175 dog. Curtis Blades, the minus 225 favorite. Who you got? I think I like Blades in this one. I, I really thought Blades was going to give uh, a little bit more of a, a better fight his first time out. But he took a huge cut in the first round over his eye. Was definitely seen kind of funky. Uh, and fought a, a very tough opponent in Francis Naganu. Whereas Cody East lost to Walt Harris. And, you know, as we mentioned, I'm not huge on Walt Harris. So I, I really do think Blades with his, like, collegiate-level wrestling takes this one pretty easily. All right. And rounding out the whole show. Kicking off the whole show. Kicking off the UFC prelims on Fight Pass. Kelly Fazoles taking on Kitian Vieira, women's bantamweight offering. Vieira, the minus 120 favorite. Fazol, also minus 110. Vegas can't decide what the fuck to do. Who do you got? I think it's Fasholtz, but uh Sure. <laughs> Fasholtz is uh she's pretty legit. She uh she took a short notice fight against Lauren Murphy last time out uh and gave Lauren Murphy a hell of a fight too, which is pretty damn impressive. Um, from what I know about Vieira, Vieira is more of a grappler, and she sticks to her grappling a little bit more. With with the way Fasholtz takes a punch, I, I'm going to go with Fasholtz, uh, you know, and she does have three submission wins on her record, so there's certainly the chance that, that happens, too. Gumby's picking Fasholtz, and that is our breakdown of Lineker versus Dotson. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Top Turtle MMA. We couldn't do it without you. We couldn't do it without Sisu. Thank you so much for your listenership. Uh, I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We'll be back next week with a big, bad, bold British preview of UFC 204. Hendo bombs are going to be flying. We'll catch you next time.